Good morning. We, before we get going here, I have a few quick announcements. Um, and I'm hoping... Can I get that computer up here again? All right, thanks. Huh? I would sit here like uh, um, Andrew, but I don't want to show off how uh, flexible I am, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right, first things first. Um, at the back there, there are some Bibles that uh, you can use. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's really good to, or you don't bring your Bible with you, it's really good to be able to actually open it up and look at it. So there are some on the back table. You're welcome to use those and just put them back at the end. Um, is that going to be all right? I'm not going to probably get electrocuted in the middle. No? Okay. All right. I can't promise anything. Okay. Thank you. Man. All right, so that's that. Uh, second thing is... Thank you for buying all the ice cream yesterday. Um, and the reason I talk about it is because my wife is the one that's running it. And she is, just so you know, overly generous with her ice cream servings. I learned that about her uh, even long before we got married. Um, I know. That wasn't why I married her. Um, but um, anyway, so, you know, if you... One, buy one scoop, you'll probably get two. If you buy two scoops, you'll probably get three. Um, and uh, anyway, I don't know, what was it, like 80 ice cream? Was it? How, much, how many was it, Mike? Oof. How many? 72 ice cream cones. Anyway, so it's going to be open again. We good? Here, I can move over a little bit more. It'll be open again at 3.30 um, over there, so you're welcome to... Go get more ice cream. I feel like I'm, I'm on a ship here. Hold on. Okay. Third thing, um, about volleyball. Let me just go back here. Nothing to say. All right. Good job with the soccer yesterday. It was awesome. Thank you for nobody getting injured. Um, today is volleyball. So before we get to this tournament, which is tomorrow, about volleyball today. So the guys... We're going to kind of run it like we did yesterday. So the girls are going to play uh, down at the girls' courts. If you don't know where that is, just follow your girl captain, and you're going to all head down there, and Caleb and Claire are going to run a little tournament there with you. And whoever wins that tournament gets points for your team. So I'm not sure what you get for winning, but maybe eight points and then seven points. So that's an individual tournament just for the girls. Uh, and then the guys, we're going to meet over here, and we're going to run a, a similar tournament uh, you're not going to play everyone, obviously, but we'll explain it later. Um, and again, that's an individual tournament, so perhaps, I don't remember all the mountains, perhaps Everest wins the girls' tournament and K2 wins the guys' tournament, um, or vice versa. Or maybe Everest wins that and that, amazingly, and you get 16 points. So each one's in an in individual tournament. And then after that, everyone's going to come up to this top court, and then uh, your captains are going to make some co-ed teams, and that's going to be a third volleyball tournament. And that also counts for eight points or however many points they're giving for winning, down to one. Um, so just so you know that. But for the guys, it did rain yesterday, um, and the courts are a little bit wet, but that's nothing new around here. So all we would say to you is don't bring your best ever shoes that you paid $300 for because they will get dirty and messed up. So... Um, you really want to wear shoes. You have to wear shoes because otherwise you'll end up getting a big splinter in your foot because we have these premier mulch courts. Uh, and, um, yeah, you can just get some bad splinters. So um, bear that in mind over there. Okay, that's that. Okay, last thing I want to say is on this volleyball tournament, 
So here's the sign-up sheet. Um, so we're clear. So we probably need another sheet underneath there, hopefully. Um, but to run the tournament, we need at least four teams per net. Right now, we have four challenge guys teams that have been uh, cleared. Then we have three, uh, four challenge girls teams that are really challenge girls teams. We have three rec guys teams. So we need at least one more rec guys team. Um, and then we have two rec girls teams. So we need at least two more rec girls teams uh, to do that net. Okay. Um, so we just want to mention that. Uh, and that's after tomorrow. See, it's 4 to 5.30, so we have to get going quickly. So if you want to still sign up, please do that. Um, and uh, on the back here, I'll give this... Actually, let me give this to you. Here's the rules. Maybe you can print those up and put that up with them so they can see what they're getting into. And here's... Actually, let me give you this too. So I'm just doing a little office work here. Uh, that's the volleyball changes for today. So there was a sheet of paper up about how we were going to run the volleyball, but that's changed. Um, so there'll be a new sheet up uh, as you enter into the dining room. And uh, Caleb and Claire, is, is Caleb here? Anyway, you just make sure that you know what's going on here. Is everyone still going down to the No, that's a good question, yeah. So just at 1.30, make sure all the girls are down at the volleyball courts for the girls. And at 1.30, make sure all the guys are over there at the guys' courts, okay? So if you want to have a little team meeting at 1.15 right on the field here and do your war cry and, you know, motivate each other and get pumped and, um, you know, whatever you need to do, do it right here and then split up. So, okay? And then you can come back again together for the co-ed tournament and do all that again and go and win, okay? All right. I think that's that. Okay. All right, let's... What about that video? How long is it? Three? Can you get it and we'll maybe use it at the end? Okay. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, we are thankful for who you are the ways that you work. We thank you for the messages that have been presented and thank you for the testimony of Andrew this morning and what you did in his life. Thank you for your word last night and, oh Lord, the the work you've done on our behalf. We continue to trust you with these morning sessions, with this the times in the evening, and the small groups. Oh Lord, we... We look to you to do that work, Lord. We cannot conjure it up ourselves or try to be something we're not. We thank you for your grace, your loving kindness, and your mercy. And we commit to you this time. I pray, oh Lord, you would be high and lifted up. We thank you that we can learn to worship you. But Lord, your word declares we need a true heart to draw near to God. And we come and ask you this morning to please work in our hearts, open up our minds to comprehend the Word of God, and we commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, again, I want to um, say the same thing that I said yesterday. Uh, a lot of what I'm going to share with you today comes really out of this particular book, How to Worship Jesus Christ. There's some copies there, and again, I, I really encourage you, if you've never read through it, to it's kind of like a workbook. It's a how-to book. 
The title of the book is How to Worship Jesus Christ. It's very practical. It's easily read. There's a lot of scripture in it, and that's what I really want to bring your attention to. Um, But a lot of what I'm going to say today is, again, taken from messages that Mr. Carroll gave um, over the last 45, 55, probably 60 years. Um, And so I put that out there because I don't want to take any credit for anything that's said this morning. It's all coming really from this book and other such places. Um, Just to recap, yesterday we talked about true worship, what it is, what it is biblically. And if you remember, um, I filled up the bottle just in case you came through at some point. Um, What is true worship? We talked about that and we, we determined, and I heard um, spoken last night, how the Word of God is true, is eternal, is objective, that the Word of God is your filter. Um, and it's excellent, excellent stuff. And I, I trust that you, you took all of that to heart. And we went to the Word of God to try to understand what true worship was. And we went to chapter 4 of the book of Revelation and we focused mainly on verses 10 and verses 11. And we said there were three things. There's an order, and the order is important, that the true to worship truly or to have true worship within your own heart, three things need to take place. So what was the first thing? Does anybody remember? Yep. Yeah. Okay, submission. There needs to be a bowing down before the Lord. I need to submit. I need to bow down before Him. That's what the Scripture says. That's not what what I'm I'm saying. What was the second thing? Anybody remember? Yes, lady there. Honor. Okay, but what did that entail? You remember? What did they need to do? What did the worshiper do? Okay, but there was an action, yep. He, yeah, he needed to take off his crown, okay? Um, all that he was and all that he had and all that he could offer, he needed to take it off and put it and cast his crown before the throne, before the true king. Remember, a crown draws attention to oneself. It draws attention to the one wearing it. And we are to cast off our crown and we are to put it down before him. And the order, once again, is important. For there to be true worship, as the Word of God says, then there needs to be submission, a bowing down, a taking off the crown, that we would honor Him, that it would be about Him, the attention would be on Him. And then what was the third thing that really came across in verse 11? Anybody want to say? that We didn't quite get a lot in it. Yes? Excellent. Come up here and say that again. That was perfect. Okay, I couldn't have said it better, so I'm going to get him to say it again. Yeah, just stand right here. This can be your podium. Say that again. All right. They ascribe worth to the one thing alone. He alone is worthy. Amen. Thank you. Go sit down. All right. Good. And if we would go back and we would read that, we would see that the worshippers speak forth. Uh, there is that which is coming from the lips, but it's first submission and the casting down of our crowns. 
and then we can uh, we can worship as we ought. And then we ended the whole session with that man or someone, a particular man building a well, and uh, he they would come across this water which could preserve their life to some degree. But was that traveler willing to pour it all out? Was he willing to pour it down there? Just a little bit of it or all of it? Was he willing to do it? And that's kind of where we got to. And we stopped at saying the one that is willing to pour it all out is the one that truly can have a true heart and draw near to God. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 towards the end of your Bible. And this is going to be the key verse in one sense that we're going to focus on this morning. And then we're going to go look at an Old Testament example. We're going to jump around a little bit. So if there's some uh, students out there, former students that are willing to read from time to time, I'll just call upon you. But in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, the writer of the book of Hebrews comes to this point in his particular letter and he states this, let us, so the invitation is there, let us draw near to God. How? With a true heart. How do we draw near to God? It says with a true heart. Some versions use a sincere heart. What does this mean to us? To draw near to God is to come into His very presence, to come before His throne as we've spoken yesterday. But how do we come? We must come with a true heart. And that's what we want to talk about today. A true heart is a surrendered heart. A true heart is the man who puts his absolute trust in the Lord and pours down into that well everything he has that he might know true life and full life and life abundant. We'll talk more about that in a little while. True worship is heart worship. Right here in this particular verse, a vital condition is given for you and I if we want to draw near to God. You and I must have a true heart. God looks upon the heart. God knows your heart better than you know it. And that's amazing. Because I know you, because I know me, that you have things inside of you that you've never told anybody. But God sees through everything. He sees your heart. There is no fooling God. These ones honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We must have the commitment of a true heart if we want to worship truly. So I'm not going to, you know, give you all the nice things that are the wonderful gifts of God toward us, and, and we will talk on that. But to follow Jesus Christ is not easy. I'm just going to be honest. It's not easy. We have a false concept when we think that if I do follow Christ, if I do pour the water down the well, everything's going to go well for me. It's not. All my circumstances are going to be favorable. It's going to be sunny every day. I'm going to have enough money. You may not. 
I'm never going to get sick. You probably will. I won't suffer. You probably will. Think of the testimony that that man uh, in Rwanda wrote down. We have a false concept when we think that if I truly follow Jesus Christ and I give up everything, everything will go well. It won't. Why is that? Because God wants to satisfy your heart and my heart with so much more than money and good circumstances and a happy life. He wants to satisfy your heart and my heart with Himself. Okay, you need to think about that for a minute. We have a false concept when we think that all is going to go well, and it doesn't because God loves you more than just giving you good circumstances and ice cream. He gives you Himself. And for you to find Him, you have to learn and I have to learn that this world cannot satisfy. He loves you more than just making sure you have money and that you don't get sick. He loves you way more than that. If you're a good parent, you're not going to give your child just, you know, ice cream all the time or make sure everything's always perfect for them because they become spoiled people who can't cope with anything. But God wants to satisfy your heart and my heart with so much more than anything this world can offer. Bear that in mind. So if we're to draw near to God... We need to come with a true heart. And the question is this morning, do you, do I have a true heart? So let's get going here. What is the heart? Again, I'm taking much of what we see here directly from this book. So if you don't get it all, go back and get the book and read it and look at the scriptures in it. So what is the heart? The heart is made up of three basic things. The intellect, the emotions, and the will. In Genesis chapter 4, 6 and verse 5, this is the first reference to the heart in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, the second part, again we see a reference to the heart regarding the emotions. And the third reference to the heart is found in Genesis chapter 8, 21, and it's regarding the will. We don't have time to to read through it all. But let's turn briefly though to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Before we can understand what a true heart is, we need to have a concept of what the heart is. And according to the Word of God, once again, that true, eternal, objective truth, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says this to us. And the Lord saw... How great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The heart is mentioned for the first time in the Word of God. And the Lord looks at it and He sees it. And He recognizes and He comprehends that the wickedness of the wickedness of man is just everywhere 
the intellect is part of the heart. You are thinking. Last night we heard a message on some of that, that he must control our thinking. Secondly, and that should actually be as my fault, should be 6.6, 6, not Genesis 6.5, so change that to Genesis 6.6. 6. The Lord was grieved. That's an emotion. That he had made man on the earth and his heart, that's God's heart, was filled with pain. The second reference to the heart indicates to us the emotions play a part in it. Or the emotions are part of that heart. Turn forward to chapter 8 and verse 21. (coughs) We'll jump forward a little bit in the verse. I'm not going to read the whole verse. It says to us, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. God determines, never again will I. The heart involves the will. The heart is the center of man where three things continually need to be orientated. The intellect, the emotion, and the will. You need all three of those come into play when we think about what the heart is. It's just not what you feel or how you feel. Your will needs to be engaged. You're thinking. Um, And we heard that last night to some degree. What is the heart? It's made up of three things. The intellect, the emotion, and the will. Hanley Moore said this, The heart is the organ of personality. The heart is the organ of personality. Now we're not talking about obviously the actual organ of the heart. We're talking about the center of who you are. Your intellect, your emotion and your will. Then we might ask the question, what is a true heart? Mention it already. A true heart really is a surrendered heart. A true heart is a heart that expresses completely the devotion of the whole person to God. No divided allegiance. The heart is the central power. As the heart is, so is the man. You are who your heart is. True worship is heart worship. There must be, for you and I, a commitment of a true heart for acceptable worship. There must be a commitment within you that involves your intellect and your emotion and your will. There must be that commitment of a true heart for acceptable worship. Now you can go through the motions of worship, but it's not acceptable to God because it says to us in the book of Hebrews, let us draw near to God with a true heart. Acceptable worship demands a true heart. God isn't any old being. Unconcerned. He looks at the heart. Acceptable worship coming into His presence 
in an acceptable way demands a true heart. Now, I'm not trying to be like, Oh man, what a spoil sport. Oh man, commitment. Oh, God has done so much for us. Can we not give ourselves to Him? If you love Him, you'll do anything for God. We always want the easy road. But to follow Jesus Christ is no easy road. But it's wonderfully rewarding. There's a tremendous trust that must take place. A breaking of your will that His will might be done. If you truly want to press on and know the Lord, it's going to cost you everything. Sometimes the Lord gave some hard words in the Gospels. And there was a big crowd follow Him. And many of them turned away and they left. But few followed. Where did the will of God take Jesus Christ when He was on this earth? Anybody? Where did the will of God take Jesus Christ on this earth at the end? Where did it take Him? To the cross, to death. And He is worthy. Would it not take us there too? He tells us to come follow Him. If you want to draw near to God, if I want to draw near to God, we have to come with a true heart. Now, give you a quick illustration. Back in the Second World War, <clears throat> uh, in the desert, we talked about the desert warfare in North Africa yesterday briefly. Rommel was the key general for the Germans, and he was he would always outsmart the British, and uh, they just couldn't quite get him. And one of his ploys. He knew that the British would, would, couldn't always see as far as they wanted to, but they knew that when they saw a lot of dust coming up, the German tanks were on the move. And that was true for a time. And the British saw it, and they would retreat, or they'd move over here. They'd see it. You couldn't miss it. All this dust. Oh, the troops are coming. And he knew that. And so then he had built special trucks, and they put on those trucks aeroplane engines and on those aeroplane engines he put fans and he took I don't know six five or six of these trucks with aeroplane engines on and he started them and these big fans pushed up and they moved forward and they pushed up all of this dust and the British were oh they're coming they're coming it was a ploy it was a trick and they'd go around the other side and they'd come up behind them they would retreat away and they'd come up and they were waiting for them that's kind of like the devil. He confuses us. He deceives us. He will do anything to get you and I not to worship the Lord. He doesn't want you to have a true heart. And He throws up all kinds of things to get your attention or get my attention or to think I, I'm right with God or, or to, to distract. Yes, I want to worship the Lord, but I never do. Yes, I want to pray. I know it's good to pray. I know it's right to pray. I know it's necessary to pray. I've read every book I could find on prayer, but I don't pray. Anything to distract you from worshipping or from praying. How do I know that's true? Because I experience it every day. 
I don't pray as I want. I want to. I want to honor God. I want to see the Lord high and lifted up. But I've got to commit myself. I've got to do it. It's not works. It's just having a true heart. So what we're going to do, we're good on track here. We've got 30 minutes here briefly. We're going to look at an Old Testament example. So I think it's always helpful to see that. And we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 22. So go to Genesis chapter 22. You know this story, so that's really pretty good. So we don't have to put a lot of background into it. We're going to go to this particular story of Abraham. This is fairly late on in Abraham's life. In fact, um, since the Lord called him, we don't know. could be he had to wait 25 years for Isaac to be born. Isaac probably at this point, maybe he's nine, maybe he's eight. We don't really know, but we'll add a few years on. So this is about 33 years after the Lord called Abraham out of the city of Ur back in chapter 12, 11, 12 of Genesis. So this isn't any... Um, this isn't something that happened fairly early on uh, with, with Abraham. But there came a point. Not that Abraham hadn't laid down things before, but this came to, the, to a peak, if you like, where God would call Abraham to a great surrender. I want to look at it from four, four perspectives. Firstly, his heart, verses 1 and 2, his service, his altar, and then we see God's provision. I want you to know, this is a test. It is a test. That Abraham might find God. That's the purpose of it. That he might find God. That he might know deeper who God is and the very heart of God. The Lord may test you. He may test me that we might know Him in a deeper way. But I want you to know, it starts with the Lord and in a wonderful way it ends with the Lord. The Lord is always before or He's always previous and He's always at the end. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and is the end. Last night we heard the illustration of being in Christ and Christ in you in that cup of water and um, putting in another big couple and it's just completely surrounded. God is before you and He's after you. That's important to know. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a sense of, of uh, confidence in whatever God allows in your life and in my life. But I want you to note the heart. Verse 1 and verse 2. Who can read that? Okay. Joe, you have not been a student here. That must indicate that he will be a future student. We'll put that out there possibly. Okay, go ahead. Abraham, excuse me, Genesis 22, 1 and 2. Okay, thank you. There it is. Sometime later. We don't know exactly when it is, so we don't know how old Isaac was, but he was old enough to understand and to talk to his father, Abraham. Sometime later, it says, God tested Abraham. Sometimes he will come and he will test you to show you what is in your heart, that you might see what is in his heart. Here I am, he replied very quickly. He responds to God. It's always a good thing to respond quickly to the Lord. You know how it is. I, you know, I, 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 try, I was going to try not to tell any um, parent kid stories 
Only because I, I have like four kids here, so that probably wouldn't be good. But just generally as a parent, it's just talking parent-wise generally. Um, you know, when your kids are younger, you tell them to, you know, move that from there to there. And they do it. That's pretty cool. But later on, when they get a little bit older and wiser and stronger and um, smarter and, and self-willed and whatever you want to say. This is just ge talking generally of parents and kids. Uh, you say, I want you to move that from there to there. And they say to you, oh, okay. So I want you to move it from there. I, I'm going to do it. Obedience now becomes on their time. They're going to do it. And so then after a while, you say, come on. And then you, you know, like, you know, okay, let's just, I was going to do it. Sometimes we have that attitude or that way with the Lord. The Lord maybe speaks to you through the Word of God, and we're slow to respond. It's always quick. To, it's always a good thing to quickly obey when God tells you something. Just do it. Listen to this, verse one. God says one word: Abraham. Here I am. And in the term "here I am" is. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. It's always good to obey the Lord quickly. Then, because Abraham responded with, Here I am, the Lord continues to speak to him. And he says, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And I want you to go to the region of Moriah. And there, I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you about when you get there. Whew. So let's think about that. Before Abraham can obey God, he has to surrender three things. He has to surrender his intellect, his emotion, and his will. He has to. What is the intellect, the emotion, and the will? It's the heart. That's what we're talking about here. Let's look at this verse. Verse 2 captures for us the fact that before Abraham can do what God has said, he needs to lay down his intellect. This does not make sense. This is the child of promise. You made me wait 25 years for Isaac. Now you're telling me to go and sacrifice him? It doesn't make sense. Then we're apt to not do something because it doesn't make sense to us. What does Proverbs 3.5 say? Anybody? Oh, you're going to read it? No, Proverbs 3.5. I know you're not in Proverbs 3.5, but you can get there if you want to. You're in Genesis, but we're in, we want Proverbs 3.5. That's fine. Yes. Perfect. I have to do that now and again to wake you up. Trust in the Lord. Trust in who? In the Bible? In the Lord in God Himself. Trust in Him. Trust in God's person and lean not... Hmm, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. On your own understanding. On your intellect. Don't lean on your intellect. Instead, trust in God Himself and what He has said to you. So if Abraham is going to press on here, if Abraham is going to obey, he has to surrender his intellect. Doesn't make sense, right? God told him that this is the child of promise. He tried to figure it out himself with Sarah in other ways. Eventually, God did something miraculous. Sarah, way over childbearing age, a son comes. 
It was the most precious thing to Abraham. And God tells him, I want you to sacrifice him. Doesn't make sense. Abraham has to surrender his intellect. Today, we are fooled with religious humanism. The way of the world has, as we, we heard it, Andrew spoke about it, it has entered into the Christian thinking, that, you know, this is what you should do. Probably the one most famous verse is, as we've heard it, I'm sure, God helps those that help themselves. Well, that's probably a good, good point. Uh, you know, and, and so that, that kind of thinking comes into the Word of God. Abraham has to surrender his intellect. Secondly, he has to surrender his emotion. It says to us clearly, and the Lord presses that home, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Did you know that's the first time the word love is used in the Word of God? Whom you love. I know you love him, Abraham. He has to surrender his emotion to obey God. Because who in their right mind, would sacrifice their own son. Thirdly, he has to surrender his will. He must do what God is telling him to do in preference to his own will. Don't think Abraham wanted to do this. He has to surrender his will. So three things he surrenders. His intellect, his emotion, and his will. Don't think that Abraham slept well that night. I'm sure he didn't. But I want you to note what he does. He deals somehow with it in his own mind and he trusts God more than he trusts himself. That's a big break right there. Look at verse 3. His service to verse 5. Early in the morning. Or early the next morning. Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He was going to do it because he surrendered his emotion. He surrendered his intellect and he surrendered his will for the will of God. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. His service. Now we notice that Abraham rises early in immediate, unquestioning, and unhesitating obedience. Wow. I didn't write that. Sounds good though, doesn't it? Abraham gets up early. Good things happen early. While it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house. He went to a quiet or a desolate place and he prayed. We read that verse yesterday, or someone did, in Mark chapter 1. Abraham gets up, and with immediate, he doesn't go and ask his wife, he doesn't go and ask his friends, it's between him and the Lord, and he does it. Like we said yesterday, if you trust the Lord, if you know the Lord, why are you willing to pour everything out when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to lose your life that you might find His life, His will for your life? 
in immediate, unquestioning, and unhesitating obedience to the Lord Himself, to God, He does what God says. He gets up in the morning, gets two servants, takes Isaac, cuts wood for the burnt offering, and He was going to sacrifice His own son. If you read on to verse 5, you'll note this. He said to His servants, stay here. So they've traveled a bit. Stay over here. It's between me and the Lord, basically. Stay here with the donkey while I... Listen to this faith. And the boy, so he was young, go over there. We're going to go up there. And what are we going to do? Have a look in the Word of God. What does it say? Have a look at verse 5. What's the last part of verse 5? Somebody want to tell me what it says? We're going to go over there and what? We're going to worship. And then? And then we're going to come back to you. He believed that if he sacrificed Isaac and he did what God said, God would raise him from the dead. We know that because it tells us later on in Hebrews chapter 11. What faith. Whose heart did he just discover? He discovered God's heart. God is showing Abraham what the Lord Jesus Christ will go through. What God himself will do. If you learn and I learn to have a true heart and we draw near to God, God begins to show and reveal to you his own heart. What a wonderful thing. So he believed that God would do this. He says, we will go over there and we will worship. We will honor God. And we'll come back to you. So in this section, verses 3, 4, and 5, we see obedience, we see absolute faith, and we see worship. Do you see that in your life? Do I see that in my life? If you have a true heart, there will be obedience, unquestioning. There will be faith, absolute trust in God Himself, and there will be worship and honoring of God above all things. I want you to note, He does what God says because He obeys God Himself. It was a helpful day for me when I read in a book, maybe oh, 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. We are not called to obey the Word of God. We are called and asked to obey the God of the Word. There's a difference there. Because Christianity can become just a moral code where you do what this book says. You're not obeying this book. You're obeying the God of the Word. Make it personal. When God speaks to you, or when God gives you a command or a challenge through the Word of God, it's Him speaking, not this book. Don't obey just simply in your mind the grinding struggle of the Word of God. That was my impression before I got saved when I was 23. Or oh, if I, you know, prior to really beginning to understand things, if I'd seen people and uh, there was a Christian in, in the apartment block that I lived in in South Africa and I thought, I saw him going to church sometimes. He had a big black Bible. I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't want to carry that book. That's what I thought it was. But it's not that at all. You and I are called to obey the God of the Word saying the same thing, but it's putting the focus on God Himself and not on just commandments. Alright, His altar. 6 to 12. We don't have a lot of time. We're going to have to press on quickly here. But Abraham, I'm not going to read through it all. He builds an altar. He builds it. And he lays on it the wood. And then he lays on it Isaac, his very heart, that which is most valuable to him. The Lord said this, where your treasure is. There is 
your heart also. What is the most valuable thing to you? Is it money? Is it being popular? Is it your reputation? Or is it the Lord? For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. The Lord knew that if Abraham was to be a blessing, he needed to sacrifice that which was most valuable to him. If God was going to work through him, if God was going to to pour his life, as it were, through Abraham, he needed to give up everything. God is wonderful, but he never does things in half measures. Remember the Lord? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm going to go to the cross. I don't know. Maybe I'll go for a little bit. It was not easy for him, but he went to that cross and he laid down his life and he allowed others to take, to take, put him up on that cross and he said, it is finished. God always does a full work. And if you and I are to follow him, we have to have a true heart. If we are to draw close to him, near to him, we must have a true heart. On this altar, can somebody read Romans 12.1? Who wants to read Romans chapter 12.1? Don't all call at once. Yes, young man, you should come to EI at some point. Go ahead. We don't have time. I wish we could spend a lot of time on that particular verse. But basically what it's telling us is we are to be, as it were, living sacrifices. That's our reasonable worship unto the Lord. Here, on this altar, Abraham laid down his very heart. And we must do the same. That which is most valuable to us. And as he does, and as he takes up that knife to kill his own son. If you look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! He was about to kill him. Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He was going to do it. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God or you reverence God. Oh, God is your first love. Because you have not withheld, or you have not held back from me, your son, your only son. Have you, have I, really poured out everything? It's time to do this. Have you or I really poured it out? Have you on that altar given that which is most valuable to you? And put everything in God's hands? Stop. Don't do it. You see, God, what God did through this test was He wanted to, to see what was in, or what, He wanted Abraham to see what was in his own heart, and God wanted to provide everything for him. And we know what happens. We see God's provision. I told you it ends with the Lord. And then Abraham looked up after that. He looks up, and there, caught in the thicket was a ram. It was caught by its horns. He went over to it. It's not easy to catch a ram. 
just kind of like he didn't have a lot of stuff with him. Um, you know, and there, there it is. There's a ram and it's caught, can't get free. So he goes over and he grabs it, grabs its horns and he took it and he sacrificed it on the burnt offering instead of his own son. And so because that happened, Abraham came to know the Lord, the Lord's heart, the Lord's character in a deeper way. And we get to this particular name. So Abraham called that particular place Moriah. And it is believed to be the very place where the Lord Jesus Christ is sacrificed outside of Jerusalem. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Then lastly, verse 16. Can somebody read verse 16, chapter 22? Who can read that? Okay, go ahead. Instead, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and I have, and have not withheld your son. Because you have done this, and you have not withheld your son. You have done this thing that I asked you to do. Ask yourself today, is there something the Lord is asking you to lay down? to give up that you might know God in a deeper way there's no shortcuts it's a heavy burden to carry things to try to follow the Lord but it's a wonderful life when you are willing to give up everything that God might be glorified in you and through you application briefly a true heart is a heart that is broken poured out, broken from self, and offered up to God. That's a true heart. That's a surrendered heart. Hanley Moore, uh, in his morning acts of worship, would say to the Lord, to Him I belong. This is what Hanley Moore would say each morning. To Him, that's to the Lord, I belong in four ways. By creation, He created me. By purchase, He bought me. At the, at the slave market, I was under the mastery of sin and He purchased me. He bought me. He paid the price in His own Son. I belong to Him by conquest. He has conquered me. And then in a wonderful way, I belong to Him a fourth way. Self-surrender. I give it up, Lord. I pour it out onto you. That's a beautiful picture of what it means to belong to God. By creation, by purchase, by conquest, by self-surrender. If you want to worship, if you want to purpose to worship, four things are important. Number one, aloneness. You need to get alone with the Lord. It's good to worship together and it's a wonderful thing. But there comes a point where you just need to get alone with the Lord. The examples I've given you of the Lord getting up very early in the morning. Abraham, he's all on his own. It's between you and the Lord. Sometimes you need to get alone. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord says, Go into your closet and close the door. Get alone with the Lord. I noticed last night we finished about 9. I don't know what time. I wasn't here on Sunday night. But is that hour? Maybe tonight. You can find somewhere just to get alone with the Lord. Even for a few minutes to worship Him. Go outside. Generally, you can see the stars if you get away from these lights here. Just get alone with the Lord. Secondly, if you purpose to worship, you have to have clean hands and a pure heart. 
You have to deal with known sin. If you know you have this, you need to deal with it. Ask the Lord to forgive you, to clean your hands, that you may have a pure heart, that He might clean your heart, both outward and inward. Thirdly, you and I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Remember the kind of worshippers that the Lord seeks are those that worship in spirit and in truth. You can read these verses. We don't have time to look at them. Philippians 3.3 3. If you want to worship the Lord, the Spirit of God has got to quicken you and meet you and He will. And then fourthly, concentration. Revelation 5.12-14 You need to come alone and look up to the Lord and learn to concentrate on Him. It's not easy. But it's glorious. All kinds of things will come. All kinds of dust will come up in the desert to distract you. Oh, you'll remember that you've got to do that. Oh, oh, I was supposed to be on dish crew. Oh, I didn't read through my Bible this year. Oh, I've got to do that. Anything will come to distract you to worship. The devil hates for you to worship the Lord. He wants you to worship Him. Lastly, this book I highly recommend more than any other book that I've ever read. And I've read at least 10 books in my life. No, um, A sequel, a follow-on, is this book about a young man who gave his life to worship the Lord, a worshiper of Jesus Christ. It's about a man called Tom Walton. It's his testimony. He died in the Second World War. He was a friend of Mr. Carroll. And I believe absolutely impacted Mr. Carroll in regards to worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to close with a short video. Can we do that? Um, A little promo of this book. And I just want to encourage you. If you want to learn to worship the Lord, if you want to press on, this is a book that will revolutionize your Christian life. It will show you what true worship is. It will cost you everything. This young man, I think he was 21 years old when the Lord took him home. He didn't live very long, but he impacted hundreds and hundreds of people with his clear testimony. We're going to show you a little promo. I think it, it's a fitting way to end um, our time. Ready to go? served in the Australian Army for six years during the war, began in September 1939. During that time, I met some very fine Christians, but the most outstanding by far was a young man named Tom Walton. He was a courageous boy. He worshipped Jesus Christ. God is seeking for worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth, in reality, in other words, with a true heart. Do you have a true heart? It is a heart which expresses completely the devotion of the whole person to God. There is no divided allegiance, no reserve of feeling, perfect 
self surrender. When you yield up yourself in totality to the Lord. So that was Mr. Carroll preaching mentioned yesterday. You can listen to those messages. Uh, you can go to our website. You can download them. I just want to encourage you to do that. You see his heart, his passion. You would never hear Mr. Carroll share much emotion. But when he would speak about this man, boy, he just his heart was just cut open. Again, I want to recommend this book and this book, Tremendous Diary Entries. Both of these send you to the Word of God, to God Himself. And again, there is time, if you want it, to get alone with the Lord. Ask the Lord, have you poured out your life? Are you completely His? Are you totally His, as we heard last night? Have you surrendered everything? Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And Lord that you want to lead us to yourself. You don't want to satisfy us with money and health and um, fame. Oh Lord, you know those things are fleeting. They all pass away. Only you truly satisfy the heart. And we come and we thank you for your word that leads us to you. Oh Lord, may we desire to be ones who truly worship with a true heart. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.